The lighthouse threatening the town of Otari shines no more. But the town's fate is still being written. These heroes surprised me. The heroes of Otari. The heroes of Otari bask in their stardom, but it dulls them, weakens them. They do not know the horrors that await them in the Abomination Vault. Creatures mutated beyond recognition. Things which should not be on this plane. Not to mention the horrible echoes of the past that still linger. Their weakness gives me hope. Their zealous quest gives me leverage. And they do not know the dangerous game that they are part of. Now, they play into my hand. Welcome back. Okay. So, as the camera fades in, we get a nice shot of a close-up of Mushi's face. He's standing at the edge of a railing with his little branches wrapped around, staring down a long hallway. The hallway looks like a grand entrance to something you might expect to see leading into a castle or a royal palace of some sort. The ceiling is lined with magical lights that twinkle, giving it the illusion of starlight in this dark tunnel. The stars and the tunnel lead southward a long way down to the south. And when it opens up, you see a large chamber that appears to be an arena. The arena is fully lit with magical torches flickering and burning giving off the one bright light you see down here in the dark an otherwise like a shining beacon of luring you in in an otherwise dark and unwelcoming place in the abomination vaults the only other light in your area is on the tip of uh, nulara's is it the shield or is it the weapon at this point because we we switched back and forth a few times the shield if i remember correctly so you're putting out this pulsing glow that kind of like counteracts the darkness. But the thing that Mushi's staring at, the thing that everyone's jaw is on the ground, nobody dares make a sight, uh, uh, a sound, a large blob of a creature, at least 20, like this pit looks like it's maybe like 20 feet deep. And this thing's head is like almost coming up over the top of the pit. It looks like an amalgamation of like multiple bodies fused together, like humanoid spiders. It has multiple faces, arms, legs. It looks like something straight out of your nightmare. And it simply paces itself across this arena floor. You guys all staring at it. Everyone's kind of afraid to make a sound at this point. And the camera pushes in, and we see the five heroes of Atari deep within the Abomination Vaults. 
The floor is yours, guys. Oh, you're being too loud. <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck is that down there? I don't know. It looks like a blob to me. Can you guys see? And then I adjust my shield. Looks yeah. like something I uh, something I saw in my dream one time. You nightmare. Dream? Yeah, ended up being a nightmare. Wait, you dreamt of this before? No, not, not, not of that particular, but just, you know, scary, like something out of a nightmare. Hmm. Well, there's options for us. Oh. We could still head west. I, I remember that's what we wanted to do. Yeah? I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, maybe tangling with this beast is not the, uh, our most pressing matter at this time, huh? Yeah, maybe not yet. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I will say it looks safely locked away in that like arena. Something or someone is keeping it here safe. Well, I bet I don't have a fireball. I could just throw it at it. <laughs> no, maybe I really we don't do. want to get its attention even. <laughs> ah, good point. Maybe not well, yet. We are go. pressed for time. The last yeah. time we asked Atari, I think we had a month before. That's true. Before Balcora gets to reach, well, uh, uh, the 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 big town. The big town. The house uh, town. The old so, bell, right, pal? Uh, no, that was supposed to be in Absalom. Uh, Absalom. That's where the Absalom. light is supposed to go. My uh, parents oh. are there. And I don't want that to happen. So, we won't uh, let that happen to your parents. But I'm not so, going that way. I'm not going over towards that big thing. Let's go. Let's head west then. Yeah, just just to clarify too, the one month timer that we kind of had talked about before, that was mostly on the amount of time it takes the lighthouse to charge and fire again. Um, luckily, you guys were able to free Lazda and defeat Volok. So currently the lighthouse is completely out and it's not charging. So that one month time doesn't seem to be a sort of like pressing time anymore. Otari didn't particularly know. He says Bakora's grow stronger every day. Like her, her influence grows little by little. So there is a sense of urgency in that, you know, every day Bakora gets a little stronger. Not, I wouldn't say it's as hard and fast as saying we have one month before Absalom is destroyed. Yeah. You guys have seemingly took a, out the main weapon of this place, which is the lighthouse. So, for now, everything seems relatively secure. Bakora sounds so easy, you guys. <laughs> I mean, look at what we did to those crazy exploding uh, zombie things, huh? That's mainly how. He pushed one of them away. Yeah, he was... Uh... He was yelling bad things at uh, Mukta, and I did not appreciate it, so he had to go over such. That's uh, quite the power you have there, Hal. I would not want to be on the receiving end of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Well, we'll find out maybe someday. <laughs> As we're yep. walking west, can I just? I'm just gonna like look around, look back, and and and, and ask like, have any of you guys been on a boat? Oh, Mukta, you've traveled a lot. Have you been on a boat? I mean, I had to take a boat to get to Otari, so... Oh. Yes, I... If you, do, you, if you do recall, I was on that boat by the Drake Lair, and I 
shimmy the one made way right across and like oh, like up. the big ones a ship oh have you been on the ship how i would not have been on the ship never oh. i just uh walked here from diobel i probably should have taken the ship would have been much faster but probably expensive mm. and not that you... any ship can dock at diobel but you know what i mean i have so many questions about diobel you keep mentioning this guy like your friend your childhood friend uh, Marian or Jonathan? Both. But I hear Marian often. Or more. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, uh, Jonathan was my childhood friend. He grew up with me in the school. Uh, he learns away from Marian, you hmm. know, to collect things uh, like money from the, the people who are watching. I mean, the people who are listening to us play music. Wait. So your experience in Mokta's experience could be like intersecting a little bit. Mokta can't play music. I, I mean, no, well, can you? I'm sure he has someone in his old group that could play music. I mean, I used to sing a little bit with someone I know, but uh, that was years ago. I don't sing anymore. Do you know the round and round song? The round and round song, not familiar. Oh, maybe I should tell you about it sometime. Why am I talking like this? <laughs> I don't know. My accent's a bit uh, infectious sometimes, huh? <laughs> I think but, so. Um, I mean, I had to take a ship from. I mean, I had to travel through from Katabesh to Osirion, and then take a ship from Osirion here to the island. So. Was it cool? Did you get... I heard that you get seasick sometimes because of the whole motion sickness and... The first time I made the journey, yes. I was not yeah. used to it. Uh, right. I thought, yeah, how different could it be? There's big waves in the ocean, there's big dunes in the desert that shift. They're quite different. I can tell you that. Um, I you paint a picture of waves and you put a picture of dunes, so you look at the pictures, ah, they're the same, huh? Mm -hmm. But... In the reality, no, not the same at all. I was quite sick to my first journey here to Otari. I can only imagine. But um, a few more times you get your, well, what do the sailors call it? Uh, your sea legs, huh? Sea legs? Yeah, you get you oh, the boat that goes. To... Right. Ah, I've never so heard you, of you know, after, if you, after that journey, even like the, for a few days in Otari here, I still felt like I was still on that boat, you know, walking a little bit sideways this way and that. Yeah. No, that's very interesting. No, I could only, like I said, I can really only imagine. You've never been on a ship then, Nulara? No. I've never been to a lot of places. Hmm. Maybe we uh, become pirates after this, huh? <laughs> That'd be cool. So I, I, you guys are kind of having this walk and talk through like the floors, right? And you guys kind of head back to the west. If you look north, that's where you guys kind of came, where you were able to pluck that bow right out of the weird little heap of thing and head south to the supply closet. So you kind of come back to this hallway. And the hallway, as it goes south, it descends down like a really steep staircase. And then it goes under like a footbridge. And so you're kind of like, as you're coming south, you're kind of eye level with the footbridge and then you descend underneath it. 
and you you can kind of see that like this footbridge that goes above you kind of connects back with the main hallway it seems like this area is this kind of weird sort of like mess of high low points going up and down around each other uh it's become a bit confusing in terms of layout um Mukta, you're like a war navigator, so like you have this like razor tight thing. So as you go under this footbridge and your mind connects, this leads back to the main hallway with those twinkling lights that goes back out to the arena. Um, and it seems like if you were in a pinch, you could hop up and down and maybe get around a lot faster. But as you make your way south under this footbridge towards the double doors to the south, the doors themselves are like closed it's like a double door and there's like wood like nailed shut and you have twisted metal bars of like rebar kind of thing like tightened and twisted around these two doors holding it in place so you've kind of headed south and it seems like the doors are shut tight for a reason for not a reason unclear but the two doors are not that easy to just open and that's where you guys kind of are as you're still talking about boat traveling and such so they're tied with uh, the rebarb and stuff on our side of the door yes it is definitely on your side of the door because there's like these two like nice handles very ornate doors nice double doors they look fancy but something on this side is like holding it in so not impossible to undo just some time right no, yeah, getting on a ship sounds really good after everything but uh not budging this um this type of reinforcement huh you see this when um they're trying to keep something out from the other side huh that would make the most sense to me no yeah for sure why don't you guys all at this point as we're kind of here give me an act like, just give me a perception check it doesn't have to be secret we'll just see what you guys are noticing in this moment and this will be a good chance to check out how our Wednesday night rolls are. A 20. That would be a 28. Not bad, Mukta. That's the highest roll you've had in a long time. <sighs> <laughs> that is a 13. Perfect. So I think everyone's really fixated on the rebar or like, and, you know, just these metal bars twisted and bent around these things holding it shut. Uh, you notice two things, Mukta, because um, you rolled a 28. And I think, Nulara, you notice one of these two. So Nulara notices a sort of like almost like a plaque kind of thing that's covered in like a really thick grime. And it looks like almost some kind of soot or something has settled onto it or like a thin layer of mold. But you're pretty sure that you could, if you were to like clean that like plaque off, you might be able to read what the sign says. Um and you, you see that too, Mukta. Um, it, it's really hidden kind of within the stonework, so it doesn't stand out too much. But the thing that really catches your ear more than your eye is a kind of a metal banging noise from inside the room. And your little like ears like, go, like you know, like, and like are listening. And you pick up, if you were to put a description on what you're hearing, it sounds like a small metal box is being tossed around a room. Like a hollow, tiny metal box. The kind of thing that might hold an important document or a small set of treasure. And the way it rattles around, 
With a 28? Yeah, there's something small inside that catches your ear. It actually sounds like either a, a coin or jewelry. Yeah, that's what I was... I've heard jewelry boxes fall and hit the floor before, so I'm quite used to that sound. Exactly, and that's what it sounds like. Um, I'll put my hand up for a moment. Shh, quiet, quiet. Do you all hear that? Oh, it's very faint, but... There's something in that room. Something metallic being tossed around and you hear a small like voice almost on on the through the the wood and stuff it's kind of muffled but it sounds like it's saying like it's your fault we're stuck in here banging noise and then you hear a response like a few seconds later like no you're the one that brought us here in the first place banging noise and every time there's a banging noise it's that metal box sound you hear i hear metal yeah what language are they speaking they are speaking. That's a good. Uh, they're speaking undercommon. Oh, all right. Understand it. <laughs> so I turn towards Hal and uh, you think more kobolds? Of course. I is that a dragon in there or not so much? Uh, I, I don't think a dragon would be kept in by such uh, paltry security measures. Uh, Nulara, do you mind? I I quite can't quite reach. Do you see that plaque? I can't reach it though wipe it. it i'm like reaching mukta's like reaching yeah. his hand up like <laughs> with the edge of my sword i'll try to gently scrape off the, the moss sure we'll take it off with my mage hand just wipe it away oh that's perfect do you want me to take it down can i take it down is it really heavy it looks like it's kind of embedded you can wipe it off pretty easy but it's embedded into the stonework it doesn't look like you can dig it out very easy I will wipe it off before Nulara breaks it then now. But yeah, you can go ahead and wipe it off using the mage hand and the like, there's this sort of like wiping streaky thing. And as the, the kind of grime is re removed, you see in Undercommon, a nice plaque above the double doors that says elite viewing room, VIPs only. Based on the layout, Mukta, it looks like it might overlook the arena. If uh, these are maybe friends of the friends we ma you made down in the other layers, huh? or I guess up in the other layers, uh, maybe we can you can talk to them again. Use that uh, silver tongue and sweet music of yours. Huh? Maybe play them that round around, whatever that song is. Oh, round right around. I think that's probably a good idea. Um, I mean, it, do they sound like the kobolds? Or do they sound like, uh, you know, like you and me? Or Polis and Nilara. I mean, they're speaking under common, so... Oh, so more, more like you and me. Yeah. Okay. Right, we could go find out and ask them. The librarians, maybe that's another big library. Uh, Just my luck to get stuck with the biggest idiot in the world. Bang. Yeah, I was about to say the same damn thing. Bang. I don't know what they're talking about, but they sound like they're arguing. Mm -hmm. I mean... That's my curiosity is quite peaked. Let's find out, huh? Nilarak, do you think you can uh, undo these bars? Yeah, sure. Bang. <laughs> yeah, you want to give it like a nice, heavy, like bang, bang kind of thing? I actually so. knock first. Coming in. Bang. Okay. Uh, it's more than a bang, right? Because this thing is it's pretty, like, there's a lot of metal chunks that you're going to, like, break through. Although. This place, it's been in such disarray, disarray. You feel like if you were to target like the, the handle part 
with enough force, especially something, maybe not your sword, because that might like dull the blade, but like something blunt, you might be able yeah, to the hilt bust of it. My sword. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. So you're knocking and you're bang. So you're, this isn't quiet, right? You do this, there's loud, like echoing. These hallways are very quiet down here. And as you bang, <laughs> bang, bang, that loud echo just whoo, reverberates through the tunnels. Anyone, anything down here that might not have been aware of your presence is definitely like alerted, right? And inside the room, the voice is quiet and everything goes like still. But a couple of hard hits, cling, cling, the like door handle like falls off. You're able to pull out all like the, the chains and rebar and yank the wood. And uh, the door is free and you guys are able to open it. Here you go. <laughs> Probably not. Quite, quite um, art, artfully done. <laughs> I give Thank like you. a... An, uh... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna offer the whole crafting check to do things quietly thing, but you know, why be subtle? Nope, that is not Nolara. So you take one of the doors and you like pull it open and you peek inside, mm -hmm. and you see a small sort of like it, it's definitely a disarray, but there's a small viewing room. The curved east and west walls contain tables with small built-in ovens wood fragments heavily dented pewter serving dishes silver flatwell flatware sorry crystal shrapnel litter the entire room and on the far south nulara as you peek in a wide alcove to the south ends at a cloudy window that overlooks a much larger space in which you can kind of see looks to be the arena if you were to get closer to it you might have a better view but Right next to the window, like on the the wall, there's like a glowing set of like magical glyphs that just sit there and pulse. And that's all you see. Are there traps in here, Mugga? Do you feel that there's traps in here? Uh, excuse me, pardon me. Uh, I peek my head in. <laughs> yep. Go ahead and make a uh, a secret perception check, Mukta. Very nice. You peeking in, you give it a once over, you look around. It definitely looks like something happened in here. Maybe a trap already went off or something because this place is destroyed. But no, it does not appear to be trapped. It also doesn't appear to be inhabited. No traps, but no source of those voices either. I, I'm going to, um, in undercommon, uh, anybody home? <laughs> Hello? I think in that moment, everyone has like that, that feeling in the back of their head with the, the, the hairs go up, the, the temperature drops, everything starts moving in slow motion just slightly as your adrenaline kicks in. You have that sixth sense that adventurers get when something's about to happen. I need everyone to roll initiative for me. Oh, shit. Is that other door supposed to be open as well? Well, you tell me. I just assumed I was narrating because you guys were like peeking in on one. But if you want to throw them both open, you can, I think, right? Yeah, I think Nulata kind of busted open the door. <laughs> yeah, you can do the whole busted open no, kind no of thing. No grace. <laughs> that is a 25 for Mukta. Okay. 24. I use perception, not stealth. Nulara? Uh, 18 for me. Oh, I see. Very cool. So... As, you know, that that whole scene, if that, something's about to start, you can feel it. Mukta, your first 
an initiative. Do you feel like something might be about to happen, but nothing has quite happened yet, so what would you like to do? I would like to... Something's about to happen, but I don't know that yet. Um... Right, like, as of right now, you don't see anything, so even though your sixth sense is telling you, you know, something's about to happen, you don't see anything, so, you know, I guess that depends on what you want to do with that. And then if I try to perceive, I have to choose what I'm trying to look, right? No, we kind of realized that wasn't entirely true. You can kind of, like, look in, like, a whole cone. So this room, you'd basically be able to scan the whole room if you were to, to seek, for instance. Oh, yeah, I'll use an action to seek uh, anything that might be hidden. Okay. Go ahead and make that roll. Oh, so close to a natural 20. That's a 20 uh, total. You give a look. Uh, you don't see any creatures, but the, with a 20, what you do see as you're scanning the room, down here in the corner, you actually see a dented up tiny metal lockbox, like, in the debris. All right. Yeah, I'm going for it. Okay. Go get it. I will stride over there, and I will palm it. Yep. So one action go over there. You scoop it up in your hand. As you get it in your hand and look, it looks like it probably has a lock that would be pretty easy to finagle. But the problem is all this damage to it, and the denting has, like, damaged it beyond repair. So this, to open it, it's not... It, it would be like a strength based thing like you don't think like you would be able to finesse it open so to so to speak all right so yeah i'm going to try to palm it so it's not just in my hand you know yep i got you you're trying to make sure that no one sees that you picked it up not that i picked it up but that like i ha- like i have it with me you know you're just not you know you're not holding it out like this yeah, yeah. okay i think that was all three actions right that's my turn all right, so Mukta runs in and grabs the treasure box. That brings us to Hal. All right. Let me uh, move up and see what's happening. I went right into the room. See what uh, Mukta is doing. What did you okay. find, Mukta? Uh, there are, I think there's the box that I heard being uh, thrown around a bit, but... Uh... Hmm. Maybe there's some more magic. I will cast the detect magic. Okay. You pick up, I think what you pick up is a sense of um, enchantment magic coming from something in Mukta's hands. I'll give Mukta's said I, I don't see any other magic, Mukta. I think everything is okay. Then I think we should leave then. Okay, guys, it's good. Come on in. Okay, so that's Hal's turn. Um, at this moment, this is what happens. Uh, Mukta... Basically, like, right next to you. Oh. In the middle of the square, like, kind of right between you and Hal, a scary, like, spectral face with glowing eyes appears. And it's, like, floating upside down. So it's, like, looking at you, like, from head down, like, right? And it goes, Mm -hmm. And it tries to frighten you. I need you to make a will saving throw. Actually... Hal and Mukta would both be affected by this because you're both within 30 feet of it. Oh, shit, wait. And Nular and Clovis. Is it the visual or auditory effect? This... So it doesn't have the visual or auditory tags on it. 
So unfortunately, no. It kind of is, right? Because it's a scare effect, but it does not have the auditory or visual tags. Ooh, Nular with the natural 20. Let's see those crits in chat, huh? Yeah, crits in chats, guys. That's a 30 for uh, Mukta. It's against fear if that makes a difference. It is a 29 for Clovis. Use my hero point. Is that good roll it again? All right. Hal's going to use the hero point to re-roll the will saving throw on the f in his first oh. big roll. So 21. So with that 21, every single one of you are successful on this save. Yes. Good job, Hal. You took it to the, the Baron as a DC 21. Um, so on a failure, you guys would have been frightened too. On a critical oh. failure, you'd have to be like super scared. Um, so that does that. And then with its last action, it see it's like it's, it says to you like, there's no way out, there's no way out. And then behind you, Mukta, like some of the cutlery that's like on the table that's kind of shattered starts moving and it flies through the air at you, like telekinetically launched at you. So uh, that's a 31. Uh, I think that hits, not a crit, but it hits. Not a crit. Hit. Not a crit, not a crit okay. but a hit. So you take you take six points of bludgeoning damage as you get hit by these blunted like silver things ah, just hammering on you. Honestly, man, who throws a shoe? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, so that's its turn. That's all three actions. Over on the other side of the room, the other alcove, all the silverware and tables start shaking, and it's just a cloud of of basically. Uh, shards of glass cutlery broken bits of wood every little thing that's there starts creating almost like a cascading tornado and it shoots out across the room it's actually going to do an ability called telekinetic storm Ooh. from where it is it makes a strike against every single person oh. but it has a penalty on the strike because it's attacking more than one target and also, Clovis is going to have an AC bonus because you're behind Nulara. And Nulara, you're going to have an AC bonus because you're kind of behind a corner. Okay. So, let's make an attack against everyone. Let's start with Mukta, because why not? All right. That just hits. 23 just hits? Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay, the damage is the same. So, Mukta is going to take 7 damage this time. All right. Hal, does a 30 hit? Definitely hits me. Ouch. Wait, actually, Mukta, does it, the 23 I got against you, it should have a minus 2, so it would actually be 21. Does a 21 hit? 21 does not hit. Okay, because it has a penalty, uh, it actually misses. Okay. So doesn't don't take that damage. Uh, right. Does a 28 hit, Hal? Yes. Okay, so you will take some bludgeoning damage. You take 16 points of bludgeoning damage. Yeah. Nulara does a 22 hit. Uh, misses. Okay. And Clovis does a 19 hit. No. Okay. So the storm whips up and something is like just pelting you guys with things. It's just, you know, it just keeps screaming like, no way out, no way out. <laughs> like laughing maniacally as it does it. That's it. That's its turn. Nulara. Are we leaving? Are you guys leaving? Uh, Hal just got hit in the face with a teapot, so I think we might need to fight these things. Okay. All right. So first action, I'm going to. <laughs> I like strike. that visual. I teapot. got you. 
I'm going to stride. I'm gonna use the keyboard shortcuts that I just learned. Control hit my token. Speaking of which, go check out your quick our founder quicktooth video to see how to control shift move your token today. Oh, it worked! Hey! Okay. Second action, uh, with Encore's Blade, I am going to try and hit- So I will say this real quick, because as you move through there, oh. you run through uh, the square next to Hal, and as you do, you feel like you move through it no problem, and then your weapon has a ghost touch run, right? So as it move, as you move through the square, all of a sudden your weapon like bounces off something, like gets caught as you move through the square right next to Hal. But you can keep moving, right? It's just like, you just caught you by surprise, like whoosh something hit your weapon in that space. Okay, Hal, take over! And then uh, Encore's blade uh, at this lady. Would it be considered flanking? Yes, it would. Awesome, so that would be oh, a 20 to hit. Uh, a 20 is just hits with flanking. Oh, perfect. So, um... Yep, the flat-footed damage. Uh, that's 13 points of slashing damage. Okay. 13 this points of slashing damage. Of mm -hmm. This is your ghost touch rune, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it is it, because of the ghost touch rune, it resists none of this. It takes the full damage. Perfect. We're learning, guys. We're learning. Third action, I'm raising my shield. Okay. That's it for my turn. Very cool. Um, that brings us to Clovis. Just drop a fireball. It'll be fine. Yeah. I don't have it anymore. <laughs> All right. Um, Clovis is going to take his. His wand, and I'm going to drop a scorpion right next to that ghost. Okay. So I'm, I'm picturing your hands, right? Because I believe you had your staff out. Yep. So what's your action economy? You have a shield and a staff. So what's your action economy look like? So I'll drop the staff and... Draw have, the well, wand. My, yeah, my wand would be in my little hip there. Pull it out, yep. and I'm going to cast my uh, scorpion right next to the ghost. Perfect. And that's a two-action spell, correct? Uh, yeah, three actions to pull the wand out and do everything, right? Or yes, are you yes, only going to yeah. count that as two? No, no, it's definitely three. Yep, yeah, three on the first action, right? Cool. Yep. So three, but part of the casting of the spell allows your summon to take its two actions. Yeah, it gets two actions now, right? So it's going to So all of a sudden, what does that look like, right? You whip out a wand. You just got this like a like in the last room you guys were exploring, so this is your first yes, time using so it. First time using it, not really sure what's going to happen, and I, I'm thinking of a scorpion. I point it, and to my surprise, a scorpion appears. I'm still kind of in shock. Like what? What? Oh shit! This thing works. Very cool. And, and it'll take it appears a, right next to this ghost. Yep, and I'll take a picture. I hear that. Hello, I mean, look out! They've got scorpions too. <laughs> 22 a 22 will hit nice nine points of damage okay nine points of damage um as as the scorpion kind of swings through it it does not have a ghost touch rune it's resisting five of that damage actually because this actually resists 10 damage and your nine damage does nothing damn without a ghost touch rune I am sorry. It's you swipe through the ghost doing nothing. I can't do anything else. I'll take my stinger attack for nineteen. Okay, uh, nineteen just misses. That's with my negative five. So, all right. So that's his two turns. Okay. Very cool. Top of the round, Mukta. All right. One action. I quick draw my rapier, 
and strike against this spirit between me and Nulara. Go for it. It is flat-footed. All right. I did mark it as that, so it should. I'm going to use a hero point. Please do. That's a 16 pre-hero point, by the way. Oh, jeez. That is a 16 as well. This this is not Sunday. Sunday is not Sunday. Manifest the Sunday rolls. Okay, but so your first attack misses. Yes. All right. Um, For my second action, do I want to risk it? I think so. I'm going to strike again. All right. I mean, the chances of three twos in a row. Well, it is Wednesday, so we'll find out. No, it's not a two. It's a three only. That's a three. Hey, you're going the right direction. Improvements, improvements. Uh, However, a 12 misses. All right. And then for my third action, I will aid Nulara by fainting attack on her turn. Very cool. Nice. Awesome. Great. There we go. (laughs) How? Um, Does that... It doesn't look so good. Um, I'm going to get the hell out of here. Uh, If you need me, I will be in the hallway and I want to attempt to stride back this way. Can I get out? Did you close the door? So here's what happens. As you step away, Mm -hmm. another giant teapot from the other side of the room. Actually, this time it's like a whole like stool (laughs) (laughs) launches out at you as you try to move. Oh, an attack of opportunity. Um, That is a 26. I'm guessing that hits. Mm hmm. Okay, just checking. <laughs> I don't know. You guys got crazy ACs these days. Uh, this one is only for eight points of damage. It's not a crit, so it does not interrupt your movement or anything. All right. I uh, will continue to move out the room. Yep. I will do uh, a lingering composition of Inspire Courage. Okay. Cast my, do my performance check. Uh, a 23. Nice. That's a success. Three rounds, and I will do a lay on hands for myself. Because that hurts me really bad. Or how? That's what, 18 healing now? Wow, that's quite a lay on hands there. That looks really good. It also gives you a plus two status bonus to your AC for one round, right? Mm-hmm. Good to know. Keep that in mind. That is my turn. All right. First thing, between the two of you guys... The, the, the little poltergeist thing that you guys have been wailing on just like whoosh, goes invisible. It almost looks like like as it like popped out and scared you, it was like you could see it. And then now like it's like faded back into like the little like misty like corporate form. Like you know exactly where it is because it's not hidden from you. It's just concealed, right? At this point, it does the telekinetic storm and just attacks everything within 30 feet of it. Um, Nulara... You don't have to see for an opportunity attack, do you? Not like 5th edition? Uh, it doesn't specify that, no. What is the wording on opportunity attack? Opportunity attack. A creature within your reach uses a manipulate action or a move action. Makes a ranged attack or leaves a square during the move action it's using. It absolutely is. So, would you like to use your reaction to attack it? Or do you want to save your reaction for a shield? No, I'll attack it. Okay. Let's start with the DC5 flat check. Okay, uh, so that would be... You have to roll a five or higher. A six. That's what you need. Oh, just makes it. 
I gotta double check. Yeah, I'm gonna say I already said five, so that's fine. So go ahead and make the attack against it. Question: Would this uh, trigger my reaction to aid her? Ooh. Yeah, I mean, you're trying to faint to aid Nulara, and she's doing it now. You, I would allow that. Yeah. Make that deception check, Mukta. Twenty. Twenty is what you needed, so you succeed. So you give plus one to Nulara's check. Okay. So that would be. Oh, hero oh, point. Hero point. That was a natural one for those of you yeah. who can try to get home. But we're going to hero point it. Uh, 32 to hit. 32 between. So technically a 33 with Mukta's aid, or is that. Oh, that already includes the plus already one. We okay. added the aid. Bonus. Would it still be flat footed between us? It, it <laughs> technically is, but even without it, yeah, that's a crit. Swiss! Yes. So go Let's ahead and. In chat. Give us that crit. Oh, not Makes the greatest. That's a crit. More than a hit. 16 points. Uh, you do have damage. the ghost touch rune, so it takes the full damage. And since it was a crit, you actually interrupt his action, and his telekinetic storm does not go off, burning two of his actions. Nice. Uh, let's see. What does he do here? I guess he's going to go for it, right? He's like, trap forever, trap forever. And um, since you've got his attention, Nulara, he, like, as you're swinging at him behind you, a teapot flies at you from. <laughs> this strike. is what happens if Beauty and the Beast is like. Uh, but a 17 will miss. Uh, misses. Just shatters against the back of your, like, heavily armored body. Oh. Uh, so from the quiet, like, this other guy, right? He's like, he, you can't see him, but he's like covering his ears and he's like, ah. I've been trapped down here for 500 years. I don't want to listen to that god-awful racket. And, like, the telekinetic storm starts reverberating in the room. But this time, instead of hitting everyone within 30 feet, the whole storm comes out, shoots up the hallway, and just funnels right onto you, Hal. Oh, what? No. So, makes a telekinetic strike against only Hal. That is a 28. You are flat-footed against him because... Of uh, you don't see him, so technically it'd be, I don't know what's your AC, twenty two, twenty four. So, so yeah, so no, you are fine. You hit, but you're not a crit. Hit, not a crit. Not a crit. Uh, not a crit. But because he's doing all this whole storm onto one person, um, the damage actually increases. Uh, so you take twenty four oh, points oh, of bludgeoning shit. damage. Oh shit. Where is this? All right, uh, 42, 38. And then um, that's all it does for its turn. Nulara. So knowing where she is or still having an idea where the ghost is, I'm going to try and hit it again. Okay. Uh, D20. Yep, flat check. D DC5 flat check. Uh, whoa, oh. that's a two. So you swing... And like, because it's invisible and you can't quite see it, it just, your ghost touch room catches nothing but thin air. You miss. Okay, all right. Uh, second attack. Uh, using two actions with a power attack to try and kill this thing. Okay, so flat check. Flat check again, yeah. Okay, flat that's gonna hit. Your power, power attack, attack will be at the minus five because it's the second attack of the yep. turn. Still flat-footed though, right? It's technically, legally, it's flat-footed, yeah. Uh, 20? Does a 20 hit? It does because it's flat-footed, yeah. Perfect. So that would be 15 points of slashing damage. 
Okay. So as you cut through it, technically it's like the ghost touchdown, right? Like the slashing ghost touch. Like, mm-hmm. like you slash through, and all of a sudden the ghost, like appe- the ghostly thing appears, as like you see it like bleeding across its eyes, and it goes, "Oh, I just wanted to watch the fight," and then it like falls over and like dissipates, and the ghost is gone. Okay, that's the end of my turn. All right, Clovis. I'm where the teapots are being thrown from. <laughs> yeah. How bad are you right now, Hal? Hurting-wise. I am so-so. I feel pretty good. I can just touch my forehead and my face, and it will be good as soon as uh, Mukta is done doing what he's doing. So go ahead and help them out. Uh, so can't really see anything. Nothing in here, so I'll just stride. So I'll stride so, right to so there. So as you stride into the room, a shard of like broken crystal glass flies through the air right at you, Clovis. 18. Misses. You're flat-footed against it, but it doesn't matter because it misses. Okay. So you off off your shield. It might stick in the wooden shield a little bit, but you don't take any damage. Okay. Um, I'm going to raise my shield. There's nowhere here to take cover, right? Is there any... Uh, there's lots of cover, right? Like the tables, the chairs, all of that. If you went to like stand behind some of that debris, you could absolutely use that as cover. Like Mechanically, though, taking cover and raising your shield are both the same. She can't plus stack two. Okay. They're both the same type of bonus. I'll stay here then. Um, you could go to cover and use an action to take greater cover. Like, really. All right, so is there a way for me to. No, nah, I'll stay there. Is there a way for me to do any type of knowledge to see if I perceive if there's any other threats in the room? So, are you trying to perceive that there's any other th- threats in the room? Like, are you seeking out things? Yes. Like, you're trying. Yeah, then yeah, you can trying make. To, uh, trying to, yeah, because I. I mean, yeah, yeah. That so that would third. be a seek action, so you can make yeah. a perception check. And then I'm gonna let uh, let the scorpion go because this will be my third action. So, twenty four. Right. Quick third. scan of the room. You get the faintest, faintest hint that it's here, right by the door. All right. So I point over there and said, "Hey guys, I have uh, I have a feeling it's by that door." So here's the interesting thing: to point out where it is is its own action. Okay, I just say it. Over by the door, the door to the left. So, mechanically, you guys still don't know where it is, but he's telling you kind of generally where it is. Okay. Verbally say it. That's my turn. And when I left the hall, I said, Hal, take care of Mushi for me. (laughs) Okay. And then the scorpion, without being sustained, blinks up. All right, Mukta. All right. Well, I I don't know where the thing is yet. Um, I'll take a seek action. Sure. Make that perception check. <laughs> Fifteen. You do not see it. All right. Um, Clovis is on, is full of shit. <laughs> I guess I no, will. You, just uh, didn't believe, you didn't believe me. <laughs> take another seek action. Okay. Twenty-three. Uh, still not seeing it. Uh, not really knowing what else to do. I'm going to use recall knowledge. Yes. Using spirit lore to see Ooh, what perfect. I might know about this, these creatures. Awesome. Give me that recall knowledge check using spirit lore. That is a 30. A 30. Awesome. Knowing what you've heard and seen and dealing with these abilities, these are 100% in your book, Poltergeist. One of the unique spirits that is actually able to telekinetically interact with the real world, whereas most spirits cannot. 
which is why they're able to use all this telekinetic. So what is it like with your recall knowledge? What would you like to know? Would you like to know it's like weakest stat? Would you like to know it's level? Would you like to know uh, some resistance or immunity it has? Like, what, what are you trying to pull out? Hmm. You got a crit on a 30 against spirit lore. So you can mm -hmm. pick like two things or I can just tell you what I want. Right. Your choice. I think I would want to know. I mean, I figured it's a spirit, so it's going to be resistant to non physical damage that's not ghost touch. Um, I think I would like to know its weakest saving throw. Okay. Its weakest saving throw would be a fortitude saving throw. Mm. And I'll let you pick the second one. Okay. For the second one, I will let you know that they really enjoy scaring things and they are naturally invisible. The only time they're ever visible is if they're in the process of scaring something. All right. So, uh, I will say just like my... most spirits, these things are sight bound. So chances are it cannot leave where it's resting spot is. Okay. So that's pretty common with most spirits. Yeah. So, um, that's my turn if I have... Will I be able to yell out anything? Is there anything? I know, like, to point it out would be a mechanic, but is there any well, mechanic? To point, out, to point out, like, something that's hidden to somebody else's mechanic, but to yell the knowledge you learned, that's fine. Okay, I'll yell out. Uh, I think this is a poltergeist, huh? They're, uh, they're a bit weaker in their fortitude, so if you... If uh, Clovis and Hal, you have anything that targeted, it, maybe when it becomes visible. I really hope it doesn't scare me. <clears throat> and that's my turn. Okay. Um, all right, uh, Moshi, let's go. We're going around the corner. You and me. <laughs> yeah, so technically that's upstairs, Hal. So that's a walkway over the top of you. So technically, if to go around the corner, you got to go up more to like the staircase and around. All right. Where was I? Like, was I right is, here or right here? This would be the no, corner for you guys. Yeah. Okay. I'm taking Moshi with me. Are you grabbing Mushi with like an action and carrying it? Uh, yes, I will. Come on, Mushi, let's go. I'll allow that. All right, you drag Mushi with you down the hall. And then I will do a lay on hands for myself once more time. Okay. Because that hurt. Yeah, perfect. That is my turn. All right. First thing it does, it whips up a crazy fanatic like storm in the room and it attacks all three of you guys with this telekinetic storm ability. Okay. So let's do Mukta first. Uh, ooh, that's a natural twenty. That misses. <laughs> <laughs> so that, so that is a crit onto uh, Mukta. Oh, but I only rolled two two, so you take eight points of damage, less than nice. I did on a non crit. All right. I'm almost approaching Clovis levels of bad damage rolls there. <laughs> uh, let's do Clovis next. Speaking of Clovis. Could have been real bad though. <laughs> uh, twenty nine. Uh, you are right? flat footed, so it's a hit, not a crit. It does. It's minus two, but oh, you're also uh, flat footed, so it kind of wow. yeah. Uh, oh geez, twenty two points on that one. That luckily that was not a crit. And lastly, against Nilara. That would have killed me. <laughs> uh, twenty six. Uh, hits. And you take. Uh, nine points of bludgeoning damage. Getting like how your, your crit was the lowest damage roll out of the Yes. Of that. That's crazy. So, things go in your favor sometimes, too. And then with his third and final action, 
Oh, you guys are all immune to its frightened effect for one minute, so I can't even try it again. Uh, with its third and final action, it actually... It's using its telekinetic ability to try to knock the box from your hand, Mukta. Oh. Because it, it sat there and totally watched you try. What's your... Yeah. So I think it's a, it's a reflex DC. So what's your reflex? Your reflex 20. DC? 23, so it misses. Yep. Just misses by one. And that's his turn, Nulara. It, you feel it like it tries to pull it out of your hand and you just barely hold on to it. Okay, so it only pops out when it's trying to scare us, but not when it's trying to hit us or cast a spell, right? From what Mukta says. Wait, what? Yeah? That's what Mukta says, yeah. Okay. So, first action, I'm gonna see Get Out. Go for it. Perception check. Perception check. That would be... 18. You did not see it. Okay, yeah. I am Maybe going... we should just leave. Yeah. It can't follow, I don't think. I am going to look at Clovis, say, the left door, and then just trust his gut. <laughs> so let me see this quick tips. <laughs> I will point out, as as you're running out the door, Nulara, you do see there is another small door in this room, like right here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it looks like there might be another one of those plaques that's really hard to read because it's got like a layer of grime on it. Like the tempt us. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I know, run. We can always go back, but <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to take a gamble on Clovis's feeling and stride to ah stride well, I here. I want to see her do it. Yeah, look at that. Uh -huh. I did it. Swing wildly. <laughs> All right, for this one, because you don't know where it is at all, it's a DC 10 flat check. Okay. Uh, 18? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You connect. Oh, awesome. Okay, so... Well, you, 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 you potentially connect. Your attack actually has a chance to hit, right? Yeah. <laughs> so now make the attack roll. Okay, and Chorus Blade, that would be uh, 32 to hit. That is a crit. Perfect. Ooh. Okay, because of weapon mastery as well, this creature will be flat-footed until my next turn. Oh. It's a crit, which is more than a hit. So crit, 26 points of 26 slashing points damage. damage. Do I know where I hit it? It's here somewhere! It's on that square. <laughs> oh, okay. You guys all watch as her blade like hits that area and just like connects with something, right? So you guys all know it's kind of roughly in that square now. Uh, that's the end of my turn. Okay, that was all three actions? Yes. Okay, Clovis? Yeah, Clovis, you do know where it is because you already sought it out, right? Yeah. Yep. So. so I'm going to move here. Okay. And all I can hear in my head right now is David in chat going, told you to take fairy fire. I told you to take fairy fire. So just so you know, David, I hear you in my head right now. Yep. <laughs> All right. With that, I am going to pull out my ghost touch whip. Okay. And I'm going to whip it and whip it good. Whip it real good. Okay. Take that strike. It's flat. Oh, that was almost a natural 20. Uh, hero point. So, the, are you going to hero point it? All right. Hero point it. So, first of all, before you roll it, right, you need to roll a DC5 flat check. DC5? Okay. Oh, wait. He told me I already knew where it was. You do, that's why it's a 5 instead of a 10. Oh, It's gotcha. still invisible. You notice that Nular, as he's fumbling with the whip and he pulls it out, it looks really badass and stuff, but uh, he doesn't look like he has a lot of handling with it. 
right? Yeah, well, your flat check fails, so uh, I, I wouldn't burn a hero point unless you no. want a hero point the flat no. check. No, I'm trying to get it out for the first time. I'm freaking wrapped around my arm. I'm trying to get the thing unwrapped. Fuck, right. Did you drop the thing? whip? Did you drop the wand or did you put it away? Uh, put it away. Okay. So one action to put the wand away, one action to draw the whip. Actually, that... that so technically, that's, it sounds like you've taken four actions this turn. Uh, I strided. Well, I would have put my wand away before, right? When I was in the hallway. No, I guess I would have still had it. It takes hand. an action to put it away, right? That's right. Yep. So I strided here. The only way right? you could do that is if you had dropped the wand in the room. Yeah. So I strided here, dropped the wand, and pulled out my... Okay. It's just at your feet. Whip. Then. Yeah. Got it. Okay. But unfortunately, your whip attack misses. So drop... Yeah. So dropping the wand, is that an action? Free action if you drop it. Yeah, if you I put it away it. safely, then yeah. Yep. So All right. that's two actions then, right? So I walked, I strided, and you dropped attacked. my wand, I attacked, so I'll raise my shield. That was three actions already. Attack, stride, and draw the whip. Got it. So no no raising of the shield. Uh Mukta. So as you step up to move, it does use a telekinetic maneuver to attack you, which would that's trigger right. Nulara to attack it. Yes. So Nulara. DC, you know what? I'm just gonna rule since you hit it. DC five flat check. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I thought it's gonna oh, be a yeah. natural one. Yep, I know. And then you can make the attack roll after that. It is flat footed against you, remember? Yes. Flat footed against, yeah. Uh, that's a hit. Five to hit. Okay, perfect. Uh, that's 14 points of slashing damage. Okay. Doesn't kill it, but hurts it really bad. Does not interrupt the attack against Mukta. Uh, Mukta, that is a 28 to hit you. That hits. Plus, I'm flat-footed against it, so. Right. Not a crit, though. Hmm. Uh, oh, much higher this time. 21 Still points. higher than your crits, though. <laughs> teapot in the forehead. These friggin' teapots. All right. I'm gonna get Hal to sing the teapot song. <laughs> <laughs> so, one he action stride. That. You get the rest of your turn. I'm a little teapot. All right. So would this be because I do I know where it is because everyone's attacking the same square? So because you haven't taken the seek action and actually hit it, it's still a DC 10 flat check unless you seek or unless it out. I'll try to seek it then first. OK, make the perception check. That's a 22. You know, it's on that square, but it's hard to pinpoint where it is. You haven't beat its stealth, so you'd still it's still hidden to you. I'll just take the flat check. All right. DC 10 flat check. I believe in you, Mukta. Yes! Oh, exactly right what you need. If you need a 10 rolled, call on Mukta. Uh, it's flat footed. All right, and I strike with my rapier. It is flat footed because of the uh, crit that Nilara did. <laughs> it's flat footed? How many twos have you rolled tonight? Oh, a lot. Too many. Yeah, that's a miss, unfortunately. I think that was all three actions, right? Stride, seek, attack. Yep. All right. How? From the safe, yeah, from the safety of up the hall. I feel a little bit better. I'm going to uh, re-up since it's the last round, right, of the Inspire Courage. I'm going to re-up it for one, one round at least. Okay. One more round. Uh, that's one action. I'll cast shield on myself, and then I'll recall knowledge on this thing. All right. Give me that recall knowledge check and tell me what is it, you, what skill you're using and then what are you trying to figure out? Occultism. Um, okay. Occultism. Perfect. Give me that check. 
basically what it is. Like, what what is this thing that's throwing teapots at me? Damn it. Yep. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, in the heat of the moment, other than what Mukta's already called out, hard to press to find anything more. All right, uh, that does my three actions. All right, step one, telekinetic storm. Nulara, you still have a reaction or did you use it already? I used You used it, it when it attacked Mukta, right? Okay. Yeah. So. How many rounds? Um, is it just one more round, Hal? Or do you do just a one round version of it? One round, I don't have any more focus points. No more focus points, okay. Strike, let's start going around the room. Clovis, 31. 12 points. Uh, technically 29, uh, but then you're flat-footed, so 31, yeah. Uh, Mukta? 29. It's... <laughs> 11. You see Mukta fall to the ground. Oh, oh shit. Mukta goes down at 11 damage, wow. And then the, <laughs> the box, like, falls out of his hand. 28 on Nulara? Uh, hits. Uh, 10 points. Okay. One more attack against uh, Nulara. Mm-hmm. The penalty, oh, totally way off base, misses hardcore. Okay. I didn't even do the minus five on that roll. So, all right, Nulara, your turn. Taking the flat check. Um, DC five, yep, five, you hit it. Ten. Uh, two actions, two power attack. Go for it. Orbit, blade, uh, 33 to hit. That'll that'll hit. Okay. Is it a crit? Crit? It's a crit, yeah, it's a crit. Awesome. So power attack, 44 oh, points. Oh my. And it's flat-footed no. until the next. Holy shit. Until the start of my next turn. No, it's not because it's dead. So nice. <laughs> <Thank> God. <laughs> you slam into it and then it like, it appears like the other ghost and it like, oh, it slumps into your arms for just a moment and it mm -hmm. can't touch you, but it's like impaled like on your blade. It's holding it there and it just looks you in the eye for one second. It's like, you my brother was an idiot. Teapot. And then fades off into nothingness. My brother was in it. Scare me there. Clovis, Mukta's unconscious. Yeah, I will strike him. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment. Strike. <laughs> yeah, so we're okay. So there's no media threat I can see. So um, I'll just uh, cast heal. Yeah, I'll just do one action. I'll touch him. Okay. Yeah. So Clovis, you heal Mukta. Mukta, you're stabilized. You have a wounded one condition, but otherwise. How many points do I heal for? Now is it one d8? Oh, Steve, for my third action, I'm gonna raise my shield. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, combat ends. Mukta is gonna get a little bit of healing heal, but he is stable. Uh, everyone breathes easily. <laughs> one. Oh, point. look at that freaking. Yeah. <laughs> well, one is one. Hey, it's not dead. And right? Mukta, like, as you come into consciousness, your eyes open, and you look over, and, like, the box is, like, right... It's, like, falling out of your hand, but it's, like, still touching your fingers just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Oh, I hate poltergeist. <laughs> oh. oh, shit. Where's Hal? I'm over here. Is everything okay? Come on in. Oh, yeah. It's out. It's out. We're good. Out of teapots? No more? Teapots. No. No more. Not out of fine. teapots. Okay. Yeah. I look at the teapot right next to my face. <laughs> <sighs> so I'm going to pull two uh, good berries and give them to Mukta to munch on. Okay. Yeah, you guys are... Between land hands and treat wounds and good berries, you guys 
are really good at like topping each other off. It's just the question is, how much time do you want to spend? Like you want to hold yourself up in here and hang out for a bit, or do you want to book it, right? Like you tell me how much time you guys want to spend here. Until we get at least Mukta back to top, top shape, as long as Nulara too. Oh, a few minutes, 22 minutes, 30 okay. minutes. I point out the other plaque that I saw. Yeah, I will say, because it's Another heightened points, one on Goodberry, you actually make three berries per cast, Clovis. So for with one one good berry, it's actually 3d6 plus 12, right? You're on fire, Clovis. So, so Nulari, you said you're going to go check the, the plaque? Five. Uh, yes. 17. So you, you kind of meander over a little bit towards the door, right. and there's like a little plaque here, and you do kind of like before, just like wipe off a bit. with This time you're using the tip of your blade because Hal looks busy, like saving Mukta's life, right? But you actually use the blade to scrape off a little bit of the, the grime, and... You see something written in Undercommon. I can't understand it. Uh, I can take over uh, taking care of Mukta real quick. I'm gonna I'm gonna eat two good berries myself. Okay. I can do treat wounds because I'm trained though. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Who needs All right, it? Uh, oh, what good? does uh What does the sign say? I feel pretty good. Yeah, I can get myself in a minute. The sign says warped brew. Oh, warp. Warped brew. Just to let everybody know, those two poltergeists guys probably died somewhere near here. That's why they were stuck. So maybe we should be careful where we tread, huh? <laughs> maybe uh, cl close the door. Okay, close this one. Uh, it, one. It closes, but it like it doesn't like lock because the lock was like the thing you guys busted up. But you're able to close it. Enough to give you guys some security, I suppose. Well, then I'm going to take 10 minutes while they're doing whatever they're doing to refocus them. Sure, yeah. yeah. So as, as you're kind of here and like looking for the first time, you get a moment too. So yeah, there's this door. The placard is warped brew. It's just, it's not a, as fancy a door as the big double door. It's just like a normal sized door. To the south of the room, right? There's this like smoky mirror type thing. When you look out of it, you can see the arena and beyond. It's a, it's like basically like having box seats, right? It's this very nice upper end elite viewing area. But the craziest thing is it's not glass. The, the wall to the south is actually made out of pure stone. And when you touch it, you feel the stone patterns, but it beca it's become like see-through and cloudy. Some kind of magical effect has turned the stone into like a see-through, like almost like a ghost where it's there, but you can see through it. And there is the glowing runes, like basically right around here. There's a set of like glowing magical runes on the wall. And uh, I'll, I'll also, uh, Ulara, mm. you might be able to open this box, huh? I can try. Yep. Give me a, an athletics check, Nular. The other thing too is like if you were able to get some of your, like take some of your tools out, Mukta, you might be able to fashion some kind of like wedge and use something to pry it open if brute force fails. But it doesn't matter, Nulara <laughs> tears it open. And as you do, the rattling inside like fall, like you see what appears to be, it's actually a ring. And when you look at the ring, just sitting in the box, it's like made out of gold. And on the top, there's this very dark black onyx in its face. And as you look at it, it has speckled white starlight in it. Almost looks like a starry night sky. Mukta is just laying there still with his eyes closed. 
I heard something. Uh, it's it a like ring. gold. Yeah, it is. Mm. Uh, it's it's a ring. It looks very pretty. Uh, it looks uh, it looks like something that Rin would probably be really curious about. It looks like stars. It uh, might be magic. I was thinking that'd be a good ring for uh, Caroline there. You, you did get an enchantment magic ping off that box earlier, Hal, so there's a good chance. It, uh, it might be magic. Maybe I can take a look at it for a minute after I rest my feet, weary feet. Um, yeah, I mean, while you look at it, I can um, help out Mukta real quick, and then I'll do treat wounds on Mukta. All right, give me that treat wounds check, just because I want to see Nulara roll some dice and see how effective she is at this. Stay still. I know I'm, I know I'm new at it, but you got to trust me. Uh, okay, so it's just a static DC. Okay, so then you succeed. Okay. Wait, you said you're new at this? What? There's like yeah, a montage no. of, of Nulara like bandaging up Mukta really terribly. and He's got the big bandage around his head. <laughs> yeah, right. She fashions so you a sling. Hit points, so that would be. Uh, but how? As you look at this ring some more, to the touch, it's very cold. Like it feels like you're holding like an ice cube almost. The longer you stare at that like starry like pattern, the more you feel that something inside is like staring back at you. And as you look on the inside of the band, on the one side and the inside of like the actual band part where the ring is, it says in undercommon. Beware the empty death. And right on the bottom of the stone where like the metal plate backing where the gem is set to, there's a carving of um, like an embossed skull, like a mossy skull on the underside of the ring. The symbol, which you have learned, especially with Clovis and Nulara's research, the symbol of Nimbaloth. The ring itself appears to be a ring of energy resistance cold. If you wear it, you get five resistance to cold damage i walk over to mukta and uh i say okay friend um uh since you uh went in there to retreat us i think this uh this ring is for you uh, put it on his big toe here you go friend while you lay there hope it uh looks out it looks nice on you you just need to paint your nails one more time oh hello Armini. i do <laughs> what do you do you just lay around <laughs> yeah, everything hurts. Okay. Well, give me 10 minutes. I will heal you right up. I'm going to play some song for you. I will play the round and round song for you. It goes yeah. a little something like this. I was going to sing Under Pressure, but then uh, I remember Jonathan changed it to some ice thing. So I'm not really sure what that might have been. But uh, let me take a 10 minutes. I will fix you right up. Just relax and close your eyes. Right. For sure. So I think there's a there's a montage here of you guys healing up, getting back to hell. But like I guess the real question is, what's next? Are you guys ready to head back to the surface, or do you guys want to poke around here a little more? Also, there's the whole business of the warp brew. You guys tell me what your next move is supposed to be. Still got a room right there to check out, right? Depends yeah. if we're just healing how many, up how many right resources now. will you guys have to spend to heal me up. Uh, nothing. I just need to sing you some songs and you feel right as rain. It's just time is the only resource. Yeah, it's just time as long as we feel safe down here. And you I can, mean, Al can play some music and I can sing soft nuka, soft mooka to you if you want. Uh, yeah. save, save that for real emergencies, Clovis. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
if we, I mean, if you guys want to keep going, then it's up to you. I mean, if once I'm healed up, I'm good to go. But if your resources are drained, then we need to go back. Let me let me put it this way, right? As you guys are coming up to a decision about whether checking out the door or this and that, Nulara, when you give the door like a peek, right? The door's not locked. And when you kind of like give it like a little push open, you see kind of a small staircase that seems to head down into the darkness. It's another pathway. Going down? Yeah. Make a perception check for me, Nulara. I'll be 27. From down below, you hear voices chattering. Words you don't understand because it's a language you don't understand. But the sounds of the voices, the sounds of like chairs, there's slight clinking. And the sound of music permeates from down there. If you were to take a guess... You feel like maybe, against all odds, maybe it's like a tavern of some sort that seems to be actively populated. Uh, we are not alone here, guys. Are you some more some ghosts with the teapot? We got to go. No, 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 no. Like other creatures. It sounds like there's a tavern downstairs. Oh, well, say no more. Let's go. The whole stairway down is also clogged with, like, lots of debris and trash. Like, somebody has, like, filled this tunnel with, like, trash. And there's a, a terrible stink that washes up oh. from here. It almost looks like somebody's used it as, like, a, a trash disposal over the years. You could definitely wade through it. It just would probably be take a little bit of time. So the tavern, tavern, with the, tavern with a bunch of ghosts down there? A ghost tavern? Maybe. I mean, we can have, if you're fine with it, we can have Mushi take a quick peek. You can yeah, take a quick good. peek through Mushi, and if it's sure. all it. good to go. Let's, we can go down and stay. Take a few minutes and make sure that everybody's yeah. healed up, and I will touch Mukta for 18. And Yeah, I'm not worried about it. You can top off your hit points. This is just a time thing at this point. Okay. You know, and I'm not too worried about, like, micromanaging all the healing up. Yeah, I mean, nothing bad has ever happened to Mushi, so... Ever. Who would hurt Mushi? Okay. Uh, I thought we were uh, changing our mind and just getting the heck out of here. I think a small peak wouldn't hurt. Oh, okay. it, uh, I would be good with that. As long as you get them off my shoulder, because I think this is honey. <laughs> <laughs> I am Mushi! Okay, so, uh... Alright, somebody open yeah. the door for him, and I will, uh go into him. Okay. So you go into Mushi again. You see the world from Mushi's eyes and you flutter out and fly uh, down the stairwell over all the trash and the debris. It kind of goes down about like 10 or 15 feet and then takes a hard right. So like Mushi goes down and you wave back at your friends as you disappear and everyone like loses sight of you as you kind of disappear down lower. And the staircase goes surprisingly steep. Like, as it goes down, you're probably dropped maybe 20, 25 feet down, lower. You have definitely can feel that you have, like, descended into a lower section of the Abomination Vaults. Than is you it are going, like, in. straight down, or is it, like... It makes one turn, it goes down, and then it makes a hard turn, and then goes down. Not too far, it's steep, but only about, like, the whole hallway is 30 feet. So 15 feet one way, right okay. angle, 15 feet another way, and it ends in a door. 
And the closer you get to that door, the louder it becomes. And as you kind of just sit on the other side of the door, it's closed so like no one can see you. There's a very rambunctious sort of tavern scene going on the other end. And I like to imagine maybe Mushi like sticks his eye like at the keyhole just to get a slight obscured view. And what you see is an entire bar, polished wood tables, chairs, and a long wooden bar fills this room. The smell of like beer and like cooked food wafts through the keyhole into your nose. It's hard to see exactly, but in the in the southeast corner of the room, the whole corner has been carved into a stage and it's raised off the ground. And it looks like there may be a live band playing right now. Don't tell Hal, he'll want to come down here. Make a perception check real quick. I want to see what Mushi sees beyond the obvious. Perception for Mushi or myself? Should be the same, I think. Hal, Hal. What, uh, what, what happened? You smell like Clovis. 20. <laughs> so 29. As you, you survey the room, it's hard to get a look, but the things you notice, first of all, most of the patrons that are sitting at the tables are kobolds. The same guys you've been encountering For real? before. Or do I just think they're kobolds? <laughs> Clovis thinks they're kobolds. Okay. The audience and Mike and the players know these are Morlocks. The same sort of big-eyed underground creatures that you've been seeing sporadically you know, littered across these levels. And th uh, the one thing you notice the most that stands out at one of the tables kind of farther away, there is a very large spidery humanoid creature. Large inside, the body of a huge spider, and the top half looks like an elven person uh, coming up out of it reading like a magazine but unfortunately mushi does not contain the capability of opening a door so this is the end that, of your that, scouting that station. actually might be a good thing in this uh, scenario <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so besides besides that right it looks like there's probably about maybe like eight or so of these kobolds this big spider person and the barkeep kind of behind the bar and it's hard to see from this angle who's on stage or how many people are on stage. But this is a very hopping sort of room. Hey, Hal, they have, a, they have a stage down there with live bands. Well, maybe if we go back down, you could uh, maybe play some music yeah. for them. Okay, let's go, let's go. Uh, there is uh, eight cobalts down there and uh, some huge-looking Spider-Man. I'm not sure. Uh, kind of look like a little elf on top, but... Uh, Definitely a spider body. Are you sure there wasn't the dragon? Mm, I don't think so. It's hard to see because uh, I had to. We had to look through a keyhole. Uh, could not see, uh, you know, everything. But the elven person, just to clarify, is actually female. Oh, that's a yeah, it's a female. Like half female. It's like half elf, half spider. So um, I, I think uh, with. You know, the battle we just had, maybe we, uh, not knowing if it's safe down there, we should go back to town and come back down and uh, let you play some music later. Oh. Uh, a night's rest in town doesn't sound too bad. I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, Nulara did a fantastic job with these bandages, really. Couldn't tell it's your first time at all. <clears throat> really? But, um, <laughs> mm, 
really great. Ah, but um, I wouldn't say no to a night's rest and a nice cup. Maybe no tea, though. Well, yeah, I also have to check something out back at the mausoleum. Oh, you want us to go as you or? No, you don't have to. Sorry, yeah, it's a oh. dinner dinner party for one only. Oh, unless you want to have the house spend the night out in the graveyard with you, Nalara. Sorry, what? Have Hal oh. come spend the night with you out in the graveyard? Nope. Under the stars. <laughs> Sorry. Can I decide? Hey, if you want to come, you can come. But I mean, I'm, it's not the most interesting type of trip, to be honest. Mm, maybe I'll go take another bath and get my clothes uh, dirty. They've got some tea stains on them from whatever the hell that was in here. But mm. uh, I think I might want to go to Zamir's house if we uh, get there in time. Maybe go for a walk Ooh, around the mayor's place. Diana. I'm sorry, what was who? Who? What? Who? Don't think know. that's tea. <laughs> oh, Mukta, if you get a chance to, I, oh, I'd like to have Rin check out that ring on uh, it. I mean, it looks great on your big toe, but I, I just for her to take a look at it. Sure. I mean, if it was that heavily guarded, it must have been really important, right? We'll find out, I guess. So there's like this sort of like crossfade as you guys reascend up all of the layers of the Abomination Vault, back down like the hall. You now have the secret passage, so you're able to bypass the trash chute. You can just take the secret passage to the back of the kitchen, back to the dining hall, back up the stairs, back through the library, back up through... Volok's old laboratory, where Borbo's body is still floating in the tank, preserved perfectly, back up to the surface, and back to the town of Otari. It's still, like, pretty early. It's still barely, like, midday as you guys return from your day of adventuring, uh, licking your wounds. So, yeah, I think this is a good point where you guys could probably all sort of peel off and have a little bit of alone time or, like activities and stuff like that so i kind i i know new Lara, you're talking about wanting to go to the graveyard so as you guys get into town the first thing is right the road splits one heads to the graveyard one heads back to town so at this point it looks like you kind of peel off to your own way and here's my stop guys i will see you in a few won't be long yeah we'll see you back in town be safe and so so new Lara, we follow new Lara, and the rest of the people go back to town the same thing you've done countless times in your career or your time here. You go back to the graveyard. You're always looking for signs, some kind of connection. And you very rarely get any acknowledgement and definitely no communication back, right? You've yeah. been given no guidance here. And you've been trying really hard to get some. This time, however, as you approach the mausoleum, the one you've been you used to spend a lot of your time on, not so much these days, you see a tiny raven wearing a plague doctor's mask perched on top of the mausoleum. You're interesting. And you say that and you kind of, it turns and it like looks at you and its head sort of cocks to the side. It's like cawing, like, <laughs> and then it sees you and it, it does a little sideways head turn, staring at you with one eye. And then you say like, well, this, you look interesting. And it has, it's surprisingly, it speaks at you in normal common tongue. Hello, Chosen of Phrasma. We've been watching you. Who's we? 
just know, child, just because we cannot answer your calls does not mean we are not listening. All who live must face her judgment. Have you discovered your true purpose at last? I was hoping you could tell me. Sorry, kid, that's not quite the way this works. You've seen what's going on down there, right? What does your heart say? I know I said that I wanted to protect the rest of them, the group. But I, there's a part of me that feels selfish because I'm not thinking about the town. I'm just thinking about them. And Milcora poses such a huge threat to everything, everyone. Oh. The little bird head just nods and the plague mass like goes up and down with it. I just, at the moment, I really just am holding on to the self-proclaimed purpose that I'm here to protect them. There was a part of me, though, that thought that maybe I was chosen, be not necessarily because I led a good life back when I was alive, but because I needed to be given a second chance. You are writer than you may know. Huh. I know I wasn't the, uh, the best person back then, so I'm hoping I'm doing right by her. You are atoning for your past, yes. But you are right. Belcora, she must be stopped. I wanted to ask Ancora about that. Because I remember before when I was just starting, that she mentioned something like Belcora, Nimbaloth, there's something about them. Phorasma doesn't like Nimbaloth, or the other way around, or Nimbaloth doesn't like Belcora. I've been trying to remember it, but I just, I, I can't. <laughs> Theirs is an eternal rivalry that predates existence. Phorasma is the one that defeated Nimbaloth and cast her out. So to say they're not friends would be an, an understatement. understatement. Yes. Yes, yes. And that's why she has sent you here. Belcora must be stopped. She seeks her return. I've got it then. So her physical body has already gone. And I've learned that the spirit lies within wherever anchor uh, they, they are. Normally, this is the way. But? Bakora's wicked experiments here have trapped hundreds of innocent souls in these vaults, and her death anchored them to her unfinished business. So I have to free all of the souls that are inside for her to be defeated? Or am I just truly dense and I'm not getting what you're saying? The secrets you seek are contained down below. It is up to you to put the pieces together. Belcora is like a terrible secret. Left alone, it can fester and cause great harm. But shining a light on it, no matter how dangerous it may seem, is the only way to face it head on. Will you be there when we meet her? Will I feel you? I am but a messenger. Will I feel her? Do you feel her now? I'd like to. She sends something, something to help you feel her more. 
And you can see now as he like sh shifts his weight a little bit, he's actually on the top of the muslim. He's holding something like in his little like claws of his feet. And he kind of like takes off and flies like over your head. And as he flies over the top, he drops it kind of like into your waiting hands. And he, as he flies over you, he just says, Phrasmus sands keep running. And that's what he says as he flies off. And as you catch it, you look down. It's a mask. It's stitched together from two separate masks that kind of go down the middle into one. On one half, it's a black mask that's frowning. And on the other half, it's a white mask that's smiling. Huh. I put it on. <laughs> yeah. So you take the mask and you put it on. And as you do, you feel charged. Like, you feel a bit of energy. And when you, like, you, you feel like you basically... Ancora's blade calls out to you and you reach down and you kind of uh -huh. like pull it out and it, it has a slight vibration and just at the edge of the, the sword, the sword begins to glow just ever so faintly. This is brilliant. I wish I, I wish I knew specifically what this does, but I could always ask, ah, how? Possibly. All right. I... You know what? I'll keep the mask on and <laughs> head my way back to the town. <laughs> so you're like, oh, that's Cal, right? So there's like a swoosh and a cutaway across town to Hal, who's sitting in a nice warm bubble bath, clothes being washed. You know, he's sitting there in the bathtub. You see he's got paper, pens. He's like, you know, potentially, maybe you got an instrument on it, either composing a melody, jotting down today's events. What is it you're doing? You're you're kind of recounting the days of Vention solitude, but what would Hal be doing in this kind of bathtub moment? Now that he has cleaned his hair and his sap off his shoulder stuff, he's uh, feeling pretty relaxed. Uh, he's writing down his speeches for the, the mayoral race that he can tell to all the people. He's like, I wonder how uh, this would go. Maybe I should make it where I make them want to dance with excitement to people like that when they politician i don't know i maybe i should ask uh Inham's daughter uh that young lady with a nice smile she might know um yeah i think that's what i'm going to do and i get dressed and tip pay for my bath and clean clothes and so before we get to that right you get out of the bath and you go to like put your clothes on you put one of your hands like through the sleeve and as it comes through and you get a good look at it you notice the faintest glow coming out of the palm of your hands. Not entirely unheard of for you with your lay on hands. Mm hmm But you do catch that. Just the faintest of glow. I look at my hand back in the front, and then I put it on my forehead like I usually do. I do lay on hands. <laughs> you put it on your forehead. And as you kind of do that, the room, you start noticing like a tiny mode of light floating across the air, and then like another... And it almost looks like the bathhouse room you're in begins to swirl with the light of like hundreds of fireflies. Is there a chair? I don't want to fall over. I'm nice and clean. I don't want to fall in the dirt or whatever the dirty clothes the other people have. So I'll sit down in the corner and cross my legs and kind of watch these fireflies. And uh, are they going anywhere? They feel like they're kind of coalescing right in the middle of the room. And you hear the faintest bit of laughter in the room with you and as the fireflies sort of gather and fill the room they begin to get so bright that it begins to hurt your eyes and you almost have to like shield your hands 
to, to like see. And then when the, the light dims just a bit, you can see that they form the shape of a woman. Now you're speaking my language. Oh. <laughs> right. It's just the vaguest shape. It's got like, you know, the outline. There's no features, right? It's just a, a mass of fireflies, but clearly in a womanly shape. And the laughter kind of is replaced by words. The dawn brings a new light, Harmony, she says, as she bends down to kiss you on your forehead, right where your hand is like kind of touching. What's Hal's re immediate reaction? This has never happened before. What, what, what is the, the light in the dawn? Like the library? Like, did they get new windows for the library so it shines in them? What does that mean? <laughs> laughter. <laughs> I like that creepy kind of echoing laughter. And at, you can see as she kind of kisses, you feel a warmth spread from your head throughout your body. And you look down and you have some cuts on your arm where you got cut up by a lot of the debris. And the light kind of pulses out of your, your arm and shoots out like a flashlight from your open wounds. And then the wound like closes itself and the light goes away. And all over your body, these light, these wounds are being healed by the light bathing you. Oh, that's pretty good. Maybe uh, you can... Touch me over my heart right here, where it has been broken, too. You don't get an immediate response. There's not a, it doesn't seem to be a two-way conversation. She's not responding to exactly what you're saying. But the, even though she doesn't have eyes, just the, the slight tilt of the head and the way it looks, you get hit with like a huge wave of emotion. And you, for just the briefest of moments, you feel pure love in your heart even though it's short-lived. And when she does that, as the, the light hits your heart and you feel it, the voice says, be the light we need. And then the fireflies dissipate. And you look down, the light fades, but you still feel just a moat of that happiness, that love in your heart. It does not go away. Hmm. I feel pretty good. Uh, maybe I can go share this with some and I catch the dancing lights around me. So I freeze mm -hmm. the light. Freeze the light. I am gonna wear the light all the time. All right. Huh. Wonder what that was. Yeah. I haven't even started drinking yet. Oh, I, I probably had leftover from Mukta's swill drink. He made me drink it before. That, that's what it was. Just am I sweating, or is it just the uh, steam from the bass? Uh, I should probably get some uh, fresh air. All right. Where's the way out? Yeah, and, and when you say that, like, hmm, maybe Mukta, right? The camera kind of leaves you and cuts across. So now we, like, flash over to, like, Mukta. So what would Mukta be doing in his sort of, like, free time for now? Uh, Mukta would probably also take a quick bath. Probably not take quite as long as Harmony, but um, okay, get cleaned up as well. You know, he likes being clean. As, uh, right. And probably uh, go to the Crook's Nook. Okay. Have a drink, see what's up there. Yeah, so I think I think we catch you just going into the Crook's Nook, right? Mm -hmm. And you, we see you there, probably sitting down with like Yinus Mera, right? Like she's, mm -hmm. she hasn't seen you since your last conversation this morning. She she invites you. She gives you the slightest of nods, which is almost unheard of. Which is you know inviting you over to come sit right in the open, right here in in the bar. I'll go take a seat. She's kind of like trying to read you with her eyebrow up and down. She's like, is it done? It's done. Any problems? <sighs> Surprisingly not. 
there was a bit of a struggle, but um, yeah. We do what we have to, right? We won't have to worry about, you know, any rabid dogs causing any more problems. Good. Plans are in motion. We should be taking over his shop or reopen under we'll probably keep the same name so that people aren't aware of changes but it's now under our control always good to have uh, a few upstanding businesses in the public eye you know of course you know how it is you don't need to make all your money illicitly Sometimes it's easier to do it out in the open. Of course, and um, <laughs> well, knowing you as well as I do, Mera, I know that uh, one thing you like more than than coin is information and connections. Yes, of course. Something that uh, and a card to hold in your pocket. Yes, I might have a card that you could use. If, you know, to add a little more points in that ledger for me, huh? I'm intrigued. Is uh, this a hypothetical card, or are you going to spill the beans? Oh, I offer this information freely as a friend, of course. Of course. And as I said, this is information only, huh? This is something that possibly you and your people could use to gain more um, positive favor with people in town after all this time and all we've been through are you not one of my people of course of course i'm just saying you know you have your direct i'm more of a specialist yes sure you uh you thinking of skipping town on us again are you here to stay (laughs) uh you know me i don't ever stay in one place too long but i'm not ever away for too long either you all have such fascinating uh, trinkets and adventures here in your small town. <laughs> I'll leave the adventuring to you. I'll just handle business. So tell me, Mukta, what do you have for me? The, uh, the man who runs the markets. What's his name? Kalino. Kalino, yes. The one I've... that goes on and on about his dead wife. Incessantly. Yes, incessantly. He seems like he would do quite a bit to uh, bring justice to his wife's death, yes? He would be quite grateful. I suppose he would. But they they ran that guy out of town like 30 years ago. They might have ran him out of town, but did anyone ever see his body? I suppose not. I didn't really look into it too much. Just bar in, tales. In our adventures... Uh, Trying to defeat this great evil and save this fair town, huh? Uh, we might have ran into a strange man who acted more like a wolf, who seemed to have been down in that underneath that lighthouse for quite a long time. You think it was the same werewolf? I mean, how many werewolves do you know? <laughs> I mean, three, two. Fair enough. Uh, and, well, we know for a fact that there is a entrance from the waters down through into the gauntlet there. Okay. I mean, last time I sent, last time my men went down there, 
I had to send you in to rescue them. You're not proposing we go down there. Although I'm sure we could probably sell this information to Kalino. He'd be quite interested in purchasing it for the right price. As I said, I'm just presenting this information to you as a friend. How you want to leverage it if you... I appreciate it. As a friend, I have something for you. Two things, actually. First, uh, she kind of goes into her like her cloak and she pulls out a small vial of like very like dark purple liquid as she like hands it over to you. Mm-hmm. And she says, this is giant wasp venom. Contact poison. Pretty strong stuff. Maybe, maybe this helps you down there. That could prove uh, quite useful. Thank you, Meta. And I'll roll it in my hands and uh, make it disappear. Yep. And, and then she says, that's from me. This is from us. As I said, we took over Rajani's place now. We were able to find some of his more interesting items that were stored. You keep putting your life in danger down there. I can't say I understand why, but I want to make sure you come back safe. She slides over like a small stone that has like a rune carved on it. This is a disrupting rune. Rajani had it in his place. Should help fight against various undead, I suppose. Interesting. That uh, There is quite a bit of undead down there, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Your, your uh, people barely scratch the surface of what's down there. Well, I appreciate the information. I appreciate your discretion. People in our line of work, we have to uh, stick together, yes? So, I gotta ask. Did you find the blade? You know what? I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Yeah. And then I think from there, there's like one last shot of you guys like... Uh, sharing a drink as the camera like fades out of Atari out Clovis in my head I imagine you're probably just wandering the forest because it's been a while but what would Clovis be doing in this time uh yes he is out in the forest trying to get back to nature but okay this he just had this aching to continue it's, it's called out to him and he wants to continue to read the whispering reads oh continuing right continuing to study see what I can find out about uh, yeah it's hard to find that inner peace right you're walking the forest this is the place where you would normally just lose yourself in thoughts lose yourself in meditation and just connect with nature but the whole time there's that nagging sort of voice in the side of your head that book you find yourself constantly without thinking about it your fingers are kind of running along the book touching it anytime you're not consciously thinking about it your hand just subconsciously ends up on that book And, you know, for now, you seem to have control over it. It takes concentrated effort not to touch it, not to caress it, not to read it. Luckily, it's been easy enough when you actively suppress the thoughts. It's not a problem. You're able to to pull away. And you know that you're currently winning this struggle. But there's that fear in the back of your mind that as time goes on, that you may yet get worn down. The strongest rock stands no chance against the endless tide. Eventually, it will be worn down. And so will you. But not today. 
you think to yourself. Not yet. And Clovis, the book calls to you. It wants to reveal its secrets to you. It wants to help you. You're sure the answers you need are within. All you need to do is to open and read. What do you do? I think at this point, Clovis would open the book and would read. All right. So Clovis spreads open the book, the words washing over you, turning the page story after story as you begin to delve deeper into Nimbaloth, into the empty death. As you spend this time reading through the book, I'm going to go ahead and add, because you've spent enough time with this at this point, um, reading it, you're going to get trained in Nimbaloth lore. And I think the thing that you pick up most reading through this story, her followers have this rabid obsession with worshiping her, with making sure her deeds are recorded, with understanding her, with with all the adoration and all the worship and the ritualistic sacrifices and everything they do for Nimbala, there's not a single story, not a single sign in any of these tales that she has ever reciprocated any of that affection back. It's this weird sort of thing that, that tugs at the back of your mind. And as you learn this and as you read through the books, can you do me a favor, Clovis? Can you make a will saving throw? That's a 15. That is success or not? It is not. I uh, will use my hero point. Okay, yeah. that's uh, So hero point. Come on, hero point. Come on, Clovis. You can do better than a 15, right? I'm slow. Come on. 19. Ooh, is that actually enough? So it's still a failure. So as you read this, as you are going through this book, you begin to feel the force around you shift, change, warp. Your eyes like look to the side. Every time you look where you thought you saw something, there's not there. But as you look the other corner of your eyes, see something, something watching you. There's something here with you, Clovis. Something that you cannot quite put your finger on. Something that is with inside of you. And your head begins to fill with the thoughts of paranoia. You are being watched by something beyond our reality. What is Clovis to? Closes the book. At this point, I guess I will be looking around to see if I can't see or find what I think is looking at me. You feel like your your brain is like working in paranoia. Everything's following you as you move through the forest, as you're trying to get away. There's always something just on the edge of you. Something's chasing you. And at this point, you're now being hunted, Clovis, in the forest. A shadowy creature, it moves from beyond. It moves between two trees, and you see it, this big shadowy wolf hunting you. What do you do? At this point, I'm going to see if I can get back to town. Yeah. So we help. cut back. Yeah, so you're running, you're rushing back to town. The whole time, the shadowy wolf is chasing you. It's gaining on you. No matter how fast you run, it runs faster, and yet it never catches you. And eventually, you stumble out of the forest, short of breath. You you see like Nulara, and you turn, and she turns and looks at you, and you see her creepy half mask, half black, half white, staring back at you. Whoa! Hey, 
Whoa. Oh, you all right? You know, Laura? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's me. It's me. It's me. What's no, going there's, on? Um, I, don't, I don't know, man. Like a wolf or something was chasing me in the forest. It was like a shadow. Um, no matter how fast I ran, it kept getting closer and closer. Thought it was going to get me. What? The way he's speaking to Lara, he's like talking to you and then he like, he pauses and he loses himself in thought for a second. And then he picks back up two seconds later, like there was no pause and he talks too fast. And then there's like a slow pause again. And then he seems to be like, something's wrong with with Clovis. Did you hit your head or something? What did you do? No, I was was reading the the Whisper book, the Whisper Read book. Was uh, studying up on Nimbaloth. Whoa. You read up on it? Yeah, you read it about yourself? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I couldn't help it. Um, I wanted to find out some info on Nimbaloth, trying to uh, find out how I could stop him. Remember that night when you and I were both studying? I told you what I could do to you if this turns you. I don't want to do it to you. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't help myself. Maybe you should take, maybe, maybe you should take the book from him. I did. How did you even get it? I don't know. Must have. Something's calling me. I, I must have just took it. Always don't. Let's see if we can get you checked. I think they're in the bathhouse or something. Yeah, and we kind of get like a, a sort of like cut montage as the group you guys meet up. Clovis's like crazed mind, his paranoia, it okay. recedes after a couple of hours and he goes back to being normal. But for those two hours, Everything is out to get you, Clovis. There's always some shadowy wolf just beyond the edge of your vision that's hunting you. There's nothing there. They're everywhere. I mean, there's nothing there. By the time I look around, I can see the shadow and then it disappears. And then the four of you guys are kind of sitting at the table. The paranoia is passed, giving you guys a chance to reflect on everything that's happened so far. Um, I wouldn't mind closing with a scene. You guys have talked about wanting to go see Rin, and we haven't really had a chance to. So I wouldn't mind closing on a scene of Rin, but I wanted to give you a beat right here to sort of reflect before we go to that. Mukta also, after talking to uh, Ynyas Mera, would have gone and spoken with, uh, spent a little bit of time with Morlybent again. <laughs> did you return the Thresholds of Truth? Uh, I did. Okay. Very grateful that have it returned. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time just chatting with him. Okay. Yeah, that all happens off camera. Mm. You said Nimbaloth lore was trained? Yeah, you now are trained in Nimbaloth lore. I added it. Nimbaloth is, you know, an outer god. It's not a god of our world. It lives in the beyond, in what's known as the Great Tapestry. Always don't turn into a nimble Time, space, none of that matters to a being like that. And to even try to understand, like, as little as you can even comprehend about the gods, to try to even comprehend anything about the outer gods doesn't make sense to you and it hurts your brain. And that's kind of what you have been picking up reading the stories. Okay. Nimbaloth is like an enigma and two stories will tell completely opposite things about Nimbaloth. And yet, you know, somehow they're both true in some way. It hurts your brain reading these things. So we do a crossfade from this to Rin. So we are sitting and like we see like Rin, like the first thing we see is Rin offering Mukta another cup of tea. (laughs) Ah, (laughs) 
<laughs> sure, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then tea is kind of offered like to everyone all around. And we can kind of see like, you know, she looks like she's got a little bit of like, I guess, worry in her eyes. And she just says, thank you all for meeting with me. It's been a while. I know you guys have been busy. I cannot imagine the horrors that you have seen down below or the horrors yet waiting to be uncovered. But I wanted to come clean with you if you will allow me some such indulgences. Yeah. And she, she's kind of looking. So when you say yeah, kind of you see a little bit of relief on her face and she says, as I told you before, I have dedicated my recent studies into the dark tapestry. As I've told you before, I have dedicated my recent studies into the dark tapestry, into the outer gods. I have always had a blessed gift, a touch from the beyond. I can see things others cannot. It's how I was able to see this lighthouse before it was activated. And th this is the same way. I can see things, skulls, horrible mossy skulls. I dream of them. I see them from the corner of my eye when I'm awake. And then this lighthouse. I dreamt the mossy skull laughed, perched atop the gauntlet, its eyes glowing and turning everything it touched to ash. Large, fractal images streamed from the sky, hurting my brain. She steadies herself, takes a sip of tea. All of this is what led me here. It took me years to find the lighthouse I saw in my visions. And that mossy skull, the skull of Nimbaloth. And as she says that, she looks and makes eye contact with you, Mukta. That connection came fast. But the horrors I read about, lost collections of parables, the whispering reeds, as they called it, a twisted collection, one intended to combat her influence, now worshipped like some holy text, impossible to get a hold of. But there were rumors, stories from Absalom, filed away in dark tomes, of the Harovex's terrible acts, of the ritualistic sacrifices they did in Absalom, of the pruning of their family tree to only harness powerful bloodlines to grow their power. When I read of their rituals, I knew the truth. They worship Nimbala. And that is why we are here. You asked me, Mukta, about Nimbala. It's a lifetime of validation. It shows I was not wrong. There is a connection. You must have seen it, have felt it. Belcora is here because this is where her goddess once touched the earth. This is where she may cross over again. And if she does, if Belcora gets what she wants, there may not be an Isle of Cortos left. And Ren grows like really silent in this moment. What are you guys doing as she's like pouring her heart? I mean, she's basically telling you stuff you've already learned. This isn't necessarily new information to you guys, but... Is there like a plant nearby or anything? Of course. 
I'm going to, uh, while she's just like monologuing and wrapped up in her thing, I'm going to uh, try to stealthily pour out the tea. <laughs> of course. Uh, so you stealthily like kind of like pour the tea into the plant. And then she kind of like stops and she realizes she's finished. Her, like as she's finished the monologue thing, she kind of finishes her tea, looks in her glass, reaches for it to get more, and then it's empty. So she does that thing where she like looks in the teapot. And then, no, no, I'm uh, pouring out my teacup, not hers. Just yours. Oh, I thought yeah. you were pouring out the whole thing for everyone. <laughs> no, 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 okay. no, 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 Just pouring just out Just yours, my... that's even yeah. better. Okay. <laughs> so she's able to refill hers. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. This burden is on you. I am not strong enough to go down. My fears preclude me from being an adventurer. And so I weave the threads of fate into this tapestry. The four of you. The last hope before the coming darkness. I am sorry, but also grateful. Though I cannot see through to the end of this, I know it will change you all. Just know your sacrifice will not be forgotten. And then... Sorry, I've talked enough. I'm sure you guys have millions of questions for me. So you knew about Nimbleoth this whole time? Suspected. Suspected. Had never seen proof until you came along. I had hoped, hoped beyond all hope that I was wrong, that I was seeing things, that I was making false connections. And I didn't want to put that... I didn't want to put that on you. I wanted you to go in clean and see what you saw. But when Mukta asked me if I knew anything about Nimbala, I knew. Why lie? It's a touchy subject. If people knew that I was spending all so much of my time learning about a creature as evil as Nimbala, do you think you would have trusted me? If I would have said, hey, I think this temple is dedicated to an evil outer god. Can you go find all these artifacts for me? Would you have done it? It would definitely be a direction compared to there's something going on in the lighthouse. Take a look at it. I'm not mad. It's... I've dealt my whole life. I've been an outsider. No one's trusted me. No one... No one cares about me, so I'm used to walling off certain portions of my life. To be fair, uh, Nulara, she did not lie. Whether she divulged all the information and all of her reasons, there's another story. But she did not lie. Everyone, everyone has things, either from their past or from their present. That they keep to themselves, huh? No, I understand that. But for something as pressing as what's happening right now, I think it would have been conducive to the mission to have everything laid out. Imagine the amount of time we could have saved if we just knew. Would it have changed what we did? What Maybe. we had to do? Maybe. Sometimes a banana peel in the middle of the road, someone slips on it. It's one thing. It's a banana peel. What's a a banana? That's a fruit. I almost blew up the, uh, almost took out the logging mill over there until I found about Nimbleoff. Ren, like, looks at you like, 
Yeah. So I would have saved. Uh, I could have helped know that uh, that's what was killing my forest. But water under the bridge, um, I guess. All the information you have or what you could help us now, please don't hold anything back. Trust is a two-way street, yes? Yes. How do you think uh, we can trust Rin? What is what you guys talking about? And glowing. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just your, just tell me, do you trust Rin? I don't know, Rin. Uh, I don't distrust her. She hasn't given this reason to uh, distrust what she has said. Uh, but like, do I trust her? Like, make the best uh, meal at the family meal at the festival in Diobel? I don't know. Do you know how to cook? Uh, no, that's why I have uh, Elanir around to I don't do trust the her. Nope. cooking and the cleaning. I don't trust her to cook the meal. Somebody else is going to have to cook the meal. Elanir, Elanir. <laughs> Nulara, do you trust Ren? I think that we have the same goals. I'm not. I'm not mad. It's just I. I was curious why. Why keep it? As I said, that's a two-way street. Yes. Nulara, I apologize again. Sometimes, if you, if I put notions in your head, if I told you to go look for one thing, then you would find that thing I asked you to look for. If you go in on your own and then you find the same thing that I found, then we can assume we're not both crazy. Yeah, of course. I mean, if I didn't trust Rin, I wouldn't be always looking to her for answers. Yeah. Then let's, uh, as Clovis said, call this water under the bridge and start anew. Yes. Yeah. Good. Good. We have the whispering reeds. Literally <laughs> shatter the teacup on the ground. It exists? Surely where, how, what, why? Let me see. Gimme, give gimme. Give you see like the the in her eyes the desperation, the the like need to touch this thing that she has spent so much of her life searching for. I look very, to the rest very of the dangerous. Group, like silently asking, should I show it? Should I give it? It's a two-way street, Delara. Should I let her touch it? Let me see it. the book. Oh, if you react that way, maybe I'll just have it here. You can see it here. See it. It is a very dangerous book to touch and or to read. She covers trust, her mouth and me. you see her like. Like, so zoned in on it, she's not, like, your words are just, like, going over her head. And you see her, like, kind of, like, reach like she wants it. And she, like, stops herself and she's like, I don't... I'm sorry for my outburst. I... I don't think I can trust myself with the book. I need it too much. Unless you want to give it to me? I'll try. I mean, okay. Then. I, I think I've Clovis. I think Clovis and I have seen a fraction of how it can affect you. A fraction of it. Then maybe it's, maybe it's best not in my hands after all. Maybe this is another burden I have to place upon you. But the burden shared 
It's a burden lightened, yes. Share the load. Sezek looks back at the office. She squints, watching as her boss sits back at his desk. Attention elsewhere. She can't help but lament the downfall of this once glorious leader. 500 years ago, Sezek thought she had hitched her wagon to a rising star. And now, stagnation. The small imp reaches her hand out for the pentagram-covered door. As she does, her form melds through the stone wall and she reappears on the other side. As the, ca as the camera turns, we can see a large chamber here. She passes a hallway. In the beyond, we can see a devil with dozens of soldiers being trained in drills. Somewhere from the beyond, we can hear the hammering of a forge echoing through the silence. But Sezik has her orders. It would be unlawful to ignore them, no matter how bad they sound. She knocks on a door, and we hear a gruff, come in, from the other side. Hi, mission from boss. You have to go upstairs. He needs you to get something. Just you. The door closes with the camera still outside of it. We fade to black and come back to an office scene. We see the same devil, voice raised, angrily yelling at Sezik. The sound fades in slow, and as it does, we hear the words spoken. You have failed me for the last time, Sezik. The entire lot of you are worthless. The devil reaches down for something heavy from the desk and launches it across the room. Sezik nimbly dodges. To strike back would not be allowed, not even in self-defense. It's in that moment Sezik makes up her mind. Even faithful servants have their limits. And to be blamed for a failure that was not hers was more than she could bear. Get out. Leave me be. The large devil raises his hand, and as he does, the pentagram on the door begins to pulse red. Sezik is forcefully pulled towards it, squeezed through, and popped out on the other side. A loud clicking noise echoes throughout the chamber, and Sezik knows the protocol. Nobody is allowed back in. Not without two lieutenants combining their amulets to override the lock. Sezik looks down at the amulet around her neck, fuming. She stands up, brushing herself off, looking back at the door. There's a shift in her demeanor, as the anger is replaced by a smile. The kind that is only possible from a good idea. He hadn't known that she was watching, but she was. The strangers, these heroes of Otari, as they had been called. There has been too long with no progress, and she cannot take direct action against her boss, legally speaking. But that doesn't mean she has to stop somebody else from doing so. Maybe, Eurevian, it's time for new management after all.